And my mum always used to say, it's the inside that counts. So when it comes to homes, that rings just as true. Interior design isn't just patterns and paints. It's a way to harness the potential of your property. Mum was right. The inside does matter. Home is a universe and each room its own world. Welcome back. I'm Anita Rani, a self-confessed property addict, and this is No Place Like Home, a podcast brought to you by Hampton's home experts since 1869. Now, throughout the year, I'll be chatting to a range of celebrated guests, bringing all the best home expertise straight to you, our listeners. So whatever your property journey, you have come to the right place. In this episode, we'll be speaking with two interior masterminds straight from your TV screens. They'll be sharing their tried and tested wisdom and answering some of your dilemmas. So plug in your headphones, turn up the volume and stay tuned. You won't want to miss this. What a lineup we've got for you today. Upholstery, carpentry, Design. Is there anything this woman can't do? Known from TV shows such as Changing Rooms and Junk Rescue, Michaela Sharp is most definitely an interior design master. Now, joining her in our gorgeous living room, I am thrilled to be welcoming another trendsetter and tastemaker, presenter, writer, chef, and all-round lifestyle guru. It's only Laura Jackson. Welcome to both of you. Also, fellow Yorkshire in the house. Oh, yes! Um, interior design. Let's start at the top. Why is it so important? Where, what piqued your interest? So for me, I think it was when I used to work in travel. I would travel and see all these really beautiful boutique hotels that were for couples and really romantic and stylish and kind of really sexy interiors. And it made me think, why aren't our homes designed more like that? Why do we save that just for a weekend trip? So that kind of piqued my interest and made me think, I've got to start kind of incorporating this more into the day to day. And so what do you do now? Now I um, do interior design, mm-hmm. upholstery, um, I do some TV, lots and lots of different things, much like Laura. Mm, I know. We both like to keep ourselves crazy busy. Mm, it's the um, way to be. It's the only way to be. Mm. Yeah, I think it all ties back to just a curiosity around design um, and wanting to know more about how everything's made and and what options there are out there. You mm. are so right. It's always when you're on holiday that you look at these amazing places and think, I want my bathroom to be like this. Yeah. Where are these tiles from? Where Mm -hmm. are these taps from? Mm -hmm. Uh, Laura, you are just someone I've known for a while and you just have always been someone who's had great taste. Where did your design journey begin? Where did that come from? But you know what? I haven't always had good taste because I'm from Huddersfield and not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Huddersfield, mate. Down to earth. But it was never something that I really thought about until I moved to London. And um, I was working for an events management company because I was doing events management at Leeds Polytechnic and I had a, a placement year. And it was, I used to go to these beautiful houses and I used to lay the tables as a waitress in the Natural History Museum with matching tablecloths and napkins and the cutlery had to look a certain way and the glass had had to match the tablecloths. And I just couldn't believe that that much detail went into how something looked for people just to have dinner at. I I just couldn't get my head around it. And I think I just got so curious and so interested and just realised that having nice things around you and nice, I mean, joyous things that make you happy really contribute to a life well lived. And I think I've just then really dug deep with interior design and being creative and how I can kind of 
create this kind of life that feels really joyful um yeah through kind of design and you have created it because anyone who follows you on instagram has seen your own sort of personal home journey yeah tell us about that do you know what i I read this in a magazine and i think this is so true your house is the film set of your life and i just love that quote because it's where you play everything out it's where you have a cup of tea with your mate have a cry with your boyfriend your girlfriend your husband your mates it's where you dance in the kitchen dance in the kitchen it's where you yeah it's just where all of these amazing things play out and it's an evolution of your life and i love that you can kind of curate that into whatever you want it to be and i have i've done like three properties a rental one that I owned and then the one that we live in now and I've learned so much but it's definitely been about how to live thoughtfully as well as beautifully as well as practically and yeah I think home just home just means so much to people. Mm. What about you Michaela where did you because obviously exquisitely stylish did this fab job that we all are very jealous of finding boutique hotels <laughs> very jealous. but there's also there's you obviously have the eye so where does that come from? Does, have you always had it since you were a kid? Is there someone in your family was about yeah. your own upbringing? I I don't really know. I think like Laura, you kind of hone your um, your eye as you go on, mm. and it's more a confidence thing. You know, sometimes it's about learning what you don't like, yeah. which teaches you kind of what you do like. And of course, you don't always get it right. You know, mm. I've also had my fair share of errors when I've been uh, decorating my like own what? properties. Well, I you know I used to paint things grey. Now I would never, ever, ever mm. paint anything grey. Mm. But, you know, at the beginning I did. And so there's lots of kind of things that are maybe a bit of a gateway into design that then over time you realise aren't actually your style. Yeah. Um. So for me, I've been on a bit of a journey and now I've kind of got to a point where I think I, I know and I understand my, what I like, mm. what my what my skill set is um, and what makes my design a bit different from other people's. Where did you start with your own property journey? The house that we've just seen, your beautiful home that you're now bringing your gorgeous family up in, soon to be another one. Oh, no. Congratulations. What's wrong with me? No, you're a genius. <laughs> How you do it is the question. That is the question. <laughs> I always feel like to the kids, don't touch anything <laughs> so when you have all gloves to walk around yeah the house. they're just like covered in like little uh, plastic oh. bags um so when you bought it it was a blank canvas where did you start where did your ideas start from because well, there might there will be people listening who will just don't know where to begin where do you begin I, I had a blank canvas in terms of it wasn't something that i designed it wasn't my taste but it was a really mad house so it actually hadn't been touched really for about 40 years but had all this crazy William Morris wallpaper in there it was quite dark maroons um I'd politely say the word cozy but actually it was quite overwhelming because it was so dark um and that made me automatically know that I needed to start with something that felt lighter because I walked into the house it was dark and it didn't feel like that was the the, the right colours for the house. Um, but I, I mean, it's really hard to know where to start. I would have a look at the bare bones of the house. What have you got? So you're living in a Victorian house or a Georgian house or an apartment. Um, do you have lots of light? How many rooms are there? And kind of quite holistically look at the whole house as one. And then you need to then break that down into rooms and it's a real process and it's something that takes a really long time. So I've been doing my house for seven years and I'm quite proud of the fact that it's taken me that long. Um, it's been, as I say, it's been an evolution. It's been a work in progress and things have kind of changed as I'd seven years ago, I didn't have two point 
baby children. Um, so it's had to really adapt to how I live now. And I'm like everybody. I get really sucked into trends on Instagram, get all the interiors magazines. I'm like, Oh God, I've got to have this like pattern crazy wool because everyone's doing it. But actually I think you've got to be really honest about what you like, what suits your house, what's going to be timeless and in turn give you longevity because otherwise it's just a waste of money yeah and I think that think about the bare bones of the house in a really simple matter of fact way even if you do paint more of a like magnolia or a warm white for instance and then add in your layers and your texture and your color and your personality with pieces that you find on your travels or with throws with furniture with adding pops of color that way because if you then don't like it it's much easier to change yeah Sorry, that was a really long No, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. I'm just thinking about my uh, blue corridor that I love. He loves it. Because it's joyful. Yes. It's vibrant. Where where do you start? When people invite you in to say, you know, because you have some of these specific people bring you in to do it for them. You love colour, though. I love love colour. People are coming to me that aren't afraid of colour, which is great. Um, I mean, I start with layout, of course, like the functionality. um, And then usually it's about feel. And there's quite a lot of um, psychology behind colour. So, you know, do you want something that's vibrant and stimulating? Do you want something that's more calming? Um, And then, yeah, kind of drilling down to what colours may evoke certain emotions and that can really steer you. Mm. But quite often, I don't know, quite often people have saved a lot of things online that they like the look of, but they can't actually live that way. You know, like lots yeah. of people come and say, oh, I love this Scandi aesthetic or this Japandi aesthetic or, you know, this kind of minimal. And I'm like looking around their house and it's full of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so we're getting rid of all your belongings. You know, no, they don't want to do that. Okay. So actually, how do you want to live? And it's not all about just saving things on Instagram and then thinking that's your style mm. because you can like the look of something and then it doesn't actually apply for your own home. So how do you decipher mm. what they're actually saying to you? Yeah, that's the, that's because the they- don't usually know do they I I find that even with friends when they say oh I really want to do my house like this and then you say so what is it about this blue hallway that you really like and they find it very difficult to articulate why they like that room and then when you break it down for them and you say well the walls are one color yeah the ceiling's another color then you've got the architrave you've got all of these different mm. elements then you've got the pic- the picture rail and then you've got this table and they're like oh actually this isn't just a picture this is yeah actually there's a lot could going I on live, yeah. yeah could I walk into that and every day and feel comfortable mm. um so yeah really it's about trying to decipher what the, the feel that you want and how the day-to-days of how you live um, and what you really want to be touching, what you really want to be looking at. Um, if you're the kind of person that can feel calm in a bright pink room mm. or not. And, and for me, I can't, I feel quite bored in a really white space or something really neutral. I'm constantly like, we're looking for pattern. My eye is like drawn to the things that are busiest. So in a way that calms me. Yeah. Um, but I know that's not the same for everyone. Um, and like Laura said, it's about, trusting that over time if you keep consistently going for the things that you like your style shines through and you can layer it yourself and it will come together but maybe the first layer of color wallpaper 
will feel quite shocking to you because you've changed it from white to mm-hmm. William Morris or whatever you've gone for. But gradually over the years, as you start to bring in the artifacts and the cushions and the softs and, you know, everything else, you really start to appreciate, oh, I do have a style and there's definite cohesion to what mm. I like. There aren't many places, I suppose for women, you we can say something about ourselves in the way we dress or, or you know, a man might be able to do it in the if they're interested in aesthetic, the car that they buy or the watch or whatever, you know, all these things say something about us. And your home, yeah. you can just say so much about who you are through how you decorate your space. So for me, it's just really important that there is a definite vibe. Mm. And, a feel, and it is about the feel yeah. that I want to have for every room. But it takes time, doesn't yeah. it? Because I think mm. we see so many before and afters on Instagram. Yeah. And that can sometimes feel overwhelming and also like, Oh, why can't we do that? Why? I'm like, yeah. John, why, why can't I click my fingers and do a swipe and a before and after? Why, why am I still here seven years later? But you want it to take a good amount of time. You want there to be a process. You want your house to evolve. You want your house to be a representation of you. It's like, yeah. as soon as you're born, your personality isn't a hundred percent there mm. and you, you grow into your house and you grow with your house. And I think that that's really lovely. So there'll probably be lots of people listening thinking, Oh, is taking ages, but I think that's a good thing. I do as well. And also it's what you just said, it it changes over time and your needs change. So how yeah. has your journey changed because because of the children? Like you know, the where it started, where is it now? Like what's what things have you had to adapt because of the kids? Um I painted my kitchen in this really nice lime wash paint. Oh, it was so nice to me. I think I remember. I know I've been following your journey. Oh, it was really <laughs> great. <laughs> it had real depth. It had real yeah, yeah, it personality. It was great. And then as soon as the small child, plural, started putting their fingers all over it and me realising that I couldn't wipe it off, there was oh. marks everywhere. It was absolutely filthy. And everyone would see it on Instagram and go, oh, it looks absolutely fine. Obviously, I'm not taking pictures of the, you know, the hands that are like... <laughs> <laughs> all the way down the side because so I had to change it and that was a really expensive mistake mm. um the lime wash you can apply yourself which we did do but then getting painters in and buying new paint that was yeah that was kind of an expensive mistake so that's one thing that's had to change um my children all share a room so when I had one child I just had one cot in there and then when I had two I've got two cots in there now I've got three. <laughs> I've got bump beds and I'm putting a cot in there. And that, the, that room has really had to change and it has to work for my husband and I. And it has to work for the children without feeling overcrowded, but also a really joyful, light, happy space. Um, yeah. So they've been like two big things and like, like making sure you've got a family bathroom and you've got a big yeah. enough bath to bath your children. These are and all stuff. The yeah. kids stuff. I've got stuff I think we everywhere. never talk about the <laughs> stuff yeah. because Instagram never shows you stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. all neatly clean to one side before the picture's taken. Yeah. Not in your case. Well, no, I, I, so I love stuff. Yeah. <laughs> My husband doesn't. He's really quite clinical and very clean and very methodical. I think but that's I, quite common. Do you think? Yeah. No, I think boys aren't boys messy. Look at us generalizing. Messy, but I don't know if they like as much stuff. We yeah. like, you know, ornaments and, yeah. and vases and flowers and trinkets. Trinket. Yeah. <laughs> Some matches from 1999 from that cafe on holiday. I know. Like, what yeah, do you do with them? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do with them? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to put it. I can't even get rid of boxes. 
things that mm. come in nice boxes. Yeah. I've got to get rid of the box. Yeah. I, it serves I, no yeah. purpose. I mean, I had my placenta for a very long time in the freezer. <laughs> so just to give you an indication on how I really can't let go of things. Um, so what do you do? What about storage? Let's talk about storage. Where, what do you suggest, Michaela? Storage is a, is a really interesting one. It's about looking at dead space in your mm. home that's not used. So, you know, thinking about like under the bed is a really good example. You can get really good storage beds um, so that you, you know, not necessarily the ones with drawers or whatever, but that you can use the whole space under the bed and you can access everything really easily. Um, so just thinking about just places that don't have a purpose um, or are just generally overcluttered. So like really obvious places like under the stairs, could you build in bespoke shelves? And that always makes the full use of the area. If you can build something yourself or, or pay for someone to come and make something bespoke, then you get the full depth, height, width, and you get the maximum amount of storage. Um, or just even things like storage boxes, just so that you can chuck everything in and slide it under a table or slide it under the sofa or put it on a shelf. Um, just simple, simple things. Um, but I mean, I don't have kids. So my storage is just clothes and shoes. And <laughs> so Laura's probably the best person to ask. Yeah. But generally, like, you know, genuinely, what? how much storage would you need for three kids? In one room, what do you do for storage in the kids' rooms? And they just don't have all that much stuff. stuff really. yeah. And yeah, I think that's the answer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. How much stuff do we need? Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly. we're talking about sustainability. Yeah. You know, this is about how this, we should all be thinking along those lines, shouldn't we? But yeah, my stuff that I've bought, because I've bought it, is just because I can't let go of it. Like, yeah. I honestly have got dresses from my nights out in Huddersfield that I'm never going to wear again, but they just remind me of good old Yates's, you know, and I'll like, let go of it. I never loved a Yates's, yeah. but you know, we've all, we've been there. <laughs> Don't mess with my, with my roots. <laughs> so we'll talk about um, pieces of furniture, because I know that you like to buy lovely, nice bits from secondhand shops mm. or vintage, I should say. Yeah, used to be secondhand, vintage. it's all vintage now, isn't it? Um, so where do you acquire your bits and pieces? I love shopping secondhand. I really like the patina of something that's been worn and used before. Mm. Um, and I'm always on the hunt. I mean, it, it, I used to spend so much time looking for stuff and I don't have as much free time as I used to do, which makes me really sad because you do just pick up some amazing things when you're on, you know, like, just around and about having coffee with a friend and you see like a vintage shop or an Oxfam or, you know, whatever it is. And you can just pop in and you see a coffee table and think, yes, I'm just going to take that home. Yeah. But I now do most of it online. Um, I think Facebook Marketplace is amazing. Gumtree, eBay. Yeah. If there's anything that I really like, I'll do a saved search. Um, so it kind of will pop into my emails when somebody posts something. Oh, you've got a really good story about that coffee table. Go on, tell me. <gasps> yeah, you want to hear about God. the coffee table I story? I love it. Table. I love this. I'm so yeah. happy for you. On the street? Yeah, Where? No, on... Um, I have I a friend who eBay. finds things on streets all the time. Oh, around right. here. I, yeah, also, yeah, people constantly diving. send me chairs and they're like, oh my God, you should take this because you could upholster it. So I love it when people We're Save that thought. We're coming back to upholstery. Tell yeah. us about your table. <laughs> the table. So I, I saw this really beautiful glass coffee table on eBay. It was just at the beginning of lockdown. Um, and the legs were kind of really unusual and amber colored and angled. Um, and I knew I had to have it. And it was 60 pounds. And the person selling it said, um, Oh, this was a gift from a client. I know it's worth a lot more, but I'm moving to somewhere where it's not going to fit. So you've got yourself a steal at 60 quid. And I was like, Great. Got it home. It was perfect for my space. Loved it. Kind of forgot that it was worth more than that just used it and and then I watched a show on Netflix 
<gasps> what was it called? It was like um, selling. Not selling. Like, it was like a, but... a version of selling sunsets. Yeah, yeah, one of those like property. You know, they're all wearing head to toe Louis Vuitton. Yeah, like prime property, expensive houses around the world. Kind exactly. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were in a six million pound property, and I saw my table, <laughs> and I thought, oh my god, I've got that table. Like, how how is this really expensive property? So I like got to work on Google and found it online, and it was worth six grand. <gasps> Who's yeah. that generous person? I know, for 60 quid. So I was like ecstatic. But I, you know, it's like an oh, antique so you're gonna, road show you, kind you, of moment. You have, have you sold it? No, I So it's irrelevant. It. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just it nice. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and I love the story now. I love that story. <laughs> it's so stupid. 60 quid. It's brilliant. <laughs> I know. What have you got that's been an absolute bargain? Oh, everything I get is a bargain. I don't, I'm I'm northern. I love, I love the hustle when it comes to <laughs> yeah, buying furniture yeah. online. I'm like, even if it's a fiver, my husband's like, stop arguing over Fast you can't. No, but well, yeah. But I'm like, yeah, I just want to win this coffee table argument. <laughs> also, there is something about the psychology, like the seller never loses. Mm. Like they're going to make it, they're not going to sell it for less than they bought it for, right? Yeah. So even if they take knock a quid off, it's going to make you feel good because you think you're getting a bargain. Yeah. They're still going to make their profit. Uh, yeah. So come on, do everyone uh, yeah. a favor. Markets are always really good though. Like online is great if you haven't, got the time or the capacity to go out and source but we always used to go to Belgium my husband and I in in a van and get loads of stuff from Belgium and then anything that didn't kind of fit in the house we'd resell um and then markets like Kempton oh Kempton's Kempton's great you gotta go early though I love a car boot sale around I love a car boot sale so I think sometimes I feel living particularly in London that you can't get a bargain because everything you go to a second hand shop and actually my, my dad's great my dad's like they, they know you're all mad living around here because no one would pay that in the north. <laughs> so true. It's so true. But when you leave London and you actually travel, you get some great some bits. Real some real yeah, yeah. And also it's sort of irrelevant because if you love it and it's going to look, and you, you're you happy with it, it's going to mm. look great in your house. Yeah. And um, I think car boots are great for accessories. Yes. yes. Like you always find good like good ceramics bars. and cro- yeah, vases and trinkets. Um, I love a car boot sale. Yeah. Love, love, love. But then I feel bad hustling and saying like, it's a pound. Come on. I want it for 50p. I think then you have to just say, okay, it's a pound. Yeah, it's Thank a pound. You. Let's get some perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Laura's not. She's not <laughs> And if you do get a bargain, but it's not quite right, you can do things to make it look lovely in your oh, home. You just so have to be much. a bit creative. Mm. I'm not. I'm not at all. I mean, I like the idea of it. I just don't have the patience, I think. But tell yeah, us about, like, is, up, is upholstery really something we can all do? Yeah, I do. No, I do. no, way. no way. Yes, yes, Come honestly. On. Two of us I, non-believers oh, convince us. It's not as complicated as you think it is. I mean, I didn't always used to do upholstery and I taught myself how to do it. So if I can teach myself, everyone yeah, can but you're special. do it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, it's quite straightforward. It's just, as you said, it's patience. And it's very scary to re-upholster something because you initially have to take the fabric off Mm. so deconstructing a chair and then having it in your living room stripped back that can feel quite overwhelming um but then when you start putting your layers back on and you you know you get to the fabric stage it's really satisfying making something yourself and having people come into your home and say oh my god where's that chair from and you're like i made it you know there's no feeling like it and what do you do how do you know what fabric to go for oh any fabric everybody always asks me that actually like what fabrics go on what things 
things, but everything. You can have a velvet or a linen or a silk if you're really bold, but for kids, maybe not yeah. ideal. Yeah. <laughs> What's the benefit um, of it? What's it do if you've done it yourself, if you've well, upcycled? First of all, it's super bespoke. So you can have a combination of things that don't exist anywhere else. That shape of chair with, a, with the fabric with a completely different trim. Second of all, you learn how things are made. So you start to really value things differently and have a different appreciation of the things that you use every day, the sofa that you sit on, the chair that you sit on. Um, and in, in having that, it gives you a different kind of outlook when you do need to buy something externally. Um, are you going to buy a, a new armchair from a high street store where you know, it's much lighter. The frame isn't as sturdy. It's not made from hardwood. Often modern things have like cardboard inside and chipboard. Um, and so these things are really hard to keep reupholstering because gradually they just break down over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you start to kind of turn your attention more to vintage and, and antique pieces that, you know, there's some weight there. There's some longevity. There's some history of patina and that you can make it your own. So I, always 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 would favor vintage have you um, upcycled have you ever sanded and repainted oh yeah, and yeah all the time i love all of that stuff i love getting stuck in um i don't i think upholstery is like when I, if i had to make um oh, like a sofa or something big like that i i wouldn't know where to start i've made like cafe curtains and like under counter curtains and cushions and all that like i've always had a sewing machine my mum's always sewed so i've yeah. always even if it's not the greatest work I'll I'll give it a go I, I find I, I just I like the creativity and mm. I like when you get kind of stuck into a project like we got some we bought a new sofa but our armchairs are vintage and they're like Howard style vintage chairs and we got them for like 100 quid from eBay and then we got them reupholstered but sometimes it can be quite expensive can't it because yeah. the fabric normally if you're getting there's such variance when it comes to fabric you can get things that are much more affordable Mm -hmm. but perhaps maybe won't stand the test of time and then when you do invest it can be quite expensive per meter you usually have to buy more than you need just in case then you've got to get the stuffing and Mm -hmm. I remember with our chairs they were kind of a bit broken underneath so I had to get them sent to a carpenter that then had to get a van to get them sent to an upholsterer brand new chairs for that much surely Yeah. yeah but then I'd be going to the high street and buying a chair that everybody else has got mm. and I really you know when people come in the house now and they say oh, I really like that chair and mm. I really like that fabric there's a story yeah um and I think that that's really important again that's for me what makes a home rather than saying oh yeah on Saturday I went with my husband and we just like bought everything from one shop it hasn't got the same sort of character or personality but for mm. some people that is the only option right a, maybe yeah. their life yeah just means they haven't got time yeah, to dedicate yeah. to it or the the, the There's budget. always time, though. So, you know, I, I think in a way, I think not everyone's got loads of time because people kind of don't. And budget's a massive thing. Yeah. Well, but there are really inexpensive ways that you can do things for like, even go, like, honestly, sometimes we go to the pound shop with the kids um, and we get stickers and stuff and they have great homeware in there. They have like, re- like e- interesting, just like playing like um, candles, for instance, or I think... T- time is a is is a big thing, but I think if you are even remotely interested in it, you do make the time. But my husband's always like, "Oh, I'm really busy." Like you've sat and watched Harry's Garage for li- literally the last twenty hours of your life. <laughs> what are you on about? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
but, yeah. but budget is a big one, isn't budget it? Budget is yeah, a, a huge, huge one. one. Yeah, and it's something that, especially for upholstery, people talk to me a lot about because they want something bespoke. They want to have something where they can really choose every element, but it is more expensive mm. than buying something from the high street. Mm. Um, my advice would be to, to if you can, try and save for it. Like, And mm. I know that sounds really patronising, but not everything has to be so instant and you can get the chair and have a really great chair that's vintage but it's not the fabric you like and then you can source a you know um discounted uh designer fabrics online um so instead of being 100 pounds a meter they're kind of 30 pounds a meter and then when you're ready to get it done you have something that you're going to cherish for generations i think it's about just thinking outside the box and being creative so i i, I love the high street i love a zara her i love a zara home oh, so i love a zara stuff. home sale fave <laughs> like h&m do great cushions i think it's about how you can kind of style it to make it your own yeah. i mean there's nothing mm. wrong with shopping from the high street there's nothing wrong in shopping secondhand like whatever you want to do but i think if you're like oh maybe i'll put this cushion here or yeah put these I'll use these glasses instead of drinking glasses I'll maybe like put some plants in there mm. or use it as a pen holder or I'll use it by the side of my bed as like a little like trinket thing I think it's about thinking outside of the box and yeah. creating your own bespoke home with you know these little things it's not about it's not about cost no. I mean, we've talked about it in a roundabout way, but let's be really specific about sustainability because we all have to be. So what are the things that we can do, the small tweaks and changes that we can make to our own lives? And how should we be thinking when it comes to interiors and sustainability? Where should we, where can we start? Well, I think my husband always says, buy cheap, buy twice. So if you can invest in something that is a little bit more expensive than you would usually pay, but you know that you'll have it for 10 years longer or could potentially pass it on to a friend or a family member after you have finished using it, if you're not keeping it forever. I think that's a really, really important point. And just repurposing things. I love to buy items that are multifunctional. So I would never buy something that is specifically for one thing. Even if it's a vase, I'll think, well, how else could I possibly use this? Is it a pen pot? Is it um displaying plants as well as flowers? Is it an ornament? I, I, I like to get things that are multifunctional because we all do get a bit bored of things. So it's about being as creative as possible with those items like mm. with cushions I don't think oh I'm going to buy this cushion to go in this exact place in my house I mm. think oh this cushion would look nice in the house so when I'm a bit bored of seeing it on the sofa I'll bring it to the bedroom or I'll bring it to another part of the house and I move things around um just so I'm not I'm not bored. They're kind of my, yeah, two jobs. Yeah. Yes. I love moving stuff around Me as well. Too. I do that with Every artwork Sunday, even on sometimes. on my bedroom at home. Oh, yeah, oh nice. my God. Yeah, literally in Huddersfield, I used to move my bed around every Sunday. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. It makes all the difference, yeah. doesn't it? Different viewpoint, different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I started Feng Shui and I didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. There you go. For me, sustainability is all about the materials themselves. So thinking, um, you know, if it's a natural material like wood, metal, glass, that's going to be better than plastic. So trying to veer away from um, man-made substances. Um, and also just thinking when you purchase something, that's your responsibility. You've bought that, you own that forever now. So if you don't think you're going to want it forever, try to avoid buying it um and if you're giving it away or you want to get rid of it where is away where is it going yeah. to is it going to a charity shop is it going to landfill can you give it to a friend or whatever um so 
if we all start to take accountability a little bit more, which sounds like a, a real pressure, but it's not really. It's just it's just about changing the pace at which we shop, maybe, and being a little bit slower and more intentional before we purchase things. I'm completely with you, and like think about why you're getting rid of it. I just wonder mm. what role sort of social media and completely being always being bombarded with images of what taste is yeah. and what your home should look like. How much of a part that has to play in us going. Well, I don't know if I want a green sofa anymore. Like maybe I should have, you know, that sofa. And, you know, what is the world? What is the state of, I mean, it's the same with fast fashion. It's the same with all of it, isn't it? We're constantly being bombarded with images of what Mm -hmm. our taste should be. There's a lot of pressure. Um, and I guess we need to just make sure that we're designing for ourselves. You know, your home is your home. You don't need to worry whether your neighbor's going to like it. You don't need to worry whether it's up to date with the trends in the magazine or whether your friends are going to come and say, Oh my God, that sofa's a bit loud. If you like it, then that's the best possible choice for you, your home and your family. Um, so try not to be, I mean, it's really difficult because we're all bombarded with lo- loads of images and even and I will sometimes. Yeah, that, you know? yeah, totally. And I'll look and think, oh my God, she's got that. That's really pretty. Where could I put that in my house? You know, yeah. and I'm influenced all the time by stuff. Yeah. Um, but then I try and think, do I genuinely like it? And is it really my style? And if it is, I know I'll like it for a really long time. And so I can take responsibility of that item and know that it's my responsibility forever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For me, I've always been quite sentimental. So I've inherited a lot of things from my family and from my grandparents. And so I think I've always had that idea that you you buy something and then you have to find the next home for it and it, you can't just kind of throw it in the bin or or put it in landfill so if we could move away from that then I think it would be have a huge impact yeah just have a think mm. yeah. pause and think before you buy it just a pause so let's talk about you know the the amazing new projects that you're doing you know your own homewares brand this is the glasset it's so exciting Laura this is Huge. Oh, thanks. And yeah, and I suppose we really want to do thoughtful consumerism because people want to consume. They want to buy things. Yeah, of course. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be. No. But I think it's like you say, it's about thinking about that purchase before you buy it. Be Mm. more considered. Where is it going to go? Do you really love it? And I think with the glassette, it was during lockdown. I'm always on the hunt for things that I don't need, but just like looking at coffee tables and candles and all of that. And I found that the market was really fragmented. So there was uh, pop-up shops or Instagram sellers or markets or places overseas or boutique shops. And there wasn't one platform that aggregated all of the different places to buy homeware. So I built it essentially with my brother-in-law. We created a, a website and yeah, we've been in operation for about a year and a half now. We sell 350 brands, most of them small to medium, but we're kind of moving to more medium, large brands. But we. How do you decide? How do you, how do you pick? Well, how do you, how we do you had, curate your 350 brands? I know it's hard. It is hard, but we, because it sounds like a lot, but we really think about, um, who's making these products where are they getting them made and what what's their purpose in the world what like do they have intent I think what I love most is that you do work with so many small brands yeah and shopping small is also really sustainable yeah. you know supporting UK made UK designed 100%. UK produced yeah. items and, and women and women led businesses as well yeah. That's yeah. Really exactly. awesome. yeah. yeah and I think that's that, that's one thing that we really wanted to look into in terms of diversity like where where are these products being made in the UK, not just it being London centric? Like yes. 
we, we, our customers mainly women, but we, you know, want to make sure we've got lots of boys and girls and from different backgrounds and races and sexual orientation. And we're trying to create this really immersive, accessible world of interiors because for a really long time, it's been stuffy. And I think we've probably both felt at times, haven't we? Like, oh, we don't really belong here. Yeah, and so we're true. not like from a interior design background where our family lived in yeah, and, it, and it's unattainable yeah. it's like yeah. someone else's it's not for you but mm. it is for you're right it's for it's, everyone, it's for everybody yeah. because it's an, like you say it's an expression of your personality yeah. in terms of what you would wear you know as an outfit it's it, it's the same it's the same messaging with your home and that is for everybody whether you're buying a one pound vase and putting some petrol station flowers in there or you're getting you know a sofa reupholstered that costs a bit more money. Every It's for everybody. Mm. Thank you so much. Absolutely loved it. Delicious Aww. conversation. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for having us. Now, redecorating your home can be a whole lot of fun. It's a brilliant way to create a space with personality, but that looks a little different when you're living in a property you don't own. So how do renters choose those things that matter most? What can and can't change? Shannon Woods from Hamptons is joining me to talk about design in the rental market. Shannon, welcome. Hello. Um, you do something quite specific within Hamptons, don't yeah. you? Tell us about your job. It's quite niche. Um, I head up the relocation services department. Um, and what that means uh, to you and I is we house employees um, from companies that are relocating their staff into the UK. So people from all over the world? All over the world. So when I first started an estate agency 17 years ago, um, people used to just walk into local estate agents and and completely not know where to live, what to do, what the process was. And then there wasn't the support there. So 13 years ago, I set the department up for Hamptons to offer that layer of support for them. You set it up? Yes. That's very good. That's very interesting. <laughs> what, how do you even begin to set up? What, what did, what specific needs did you identify that made you think yeah. I, we need a special department to deal with this? They just needed, um, a little bit of time and attention and care. Um, I mean, moving home is one of the most stressful things in life. Doing that in a foreign country is 10 times worse. So they just needed someone to scoop them up and step through every single um, part of the process with them and um, just show them the way, really. This whole episode is about design yeah. and interiors. So when it comes to specifically what you do yeah. and what the requirements of your clients are, what 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 do you think about when it comes to interiors? Mm. Do you do you have a team that sort out the properties? So there's a few considerations. So just to take it back a step, yeah, we have to make sure that we understand what we're working with as a base. So when people go out to view properties, we're sending out details. Often photos are taken of um, tenanted properties. So you might see a beautiful vintage chest of drawers in the property and, and a beautiful painting and think that's amazing. I'll offer on that one. And when you move in, it might not be there. So the key to start with is, is understanding what is included in the rental and then building up from there. So we don't advise them to go out, buy everything, move in. Um, just, just guiding them from, uh, acquiring small pieces here and there, but, but really understanding what they're working with as a base. But what about clients who are coming from abroad? Cause you do yeah. relocate a lot of people from all over the world. What advice do you give them to make somewhere feel homely? Cause they're in a foreign country, in a new space, new mm -hmm. environment. What can they do to make this rental property feel like home? 
so daunting to just leave everything behind. So we do encourage them to bring a few kind of special pieces with them uh, to make it feel like they've got their home with them. Um, and, you know, moving into a fully furnished property where nothing is yours, it's, you know, it feels a little bit uh, kind of losing a sense of being really. Um, so yeah, we do encourage them to bring some items of furniture with them, but equally as important, it's really nice to build on that. Um, you know, you see this when people go traveling and they've got everything from every country on their kind of shelves. It's a bit like that being an expat because you can be in one location for two years and then Mm. another for another couple of years. And actually just going out to kind of local markets, charity shops. I love a charity shop find. Um, and just finding a weird piece of art that you love and then keeping that and building on that slowly. And that's always going to be reminiscent of your time in London or wherever Absolutely. it is that you are, Manchester or Absolutely. Bradford or wherever you've yeah, relocated exactly. to. <laughs> exactly. and, and what if your renters want to decorate? Does that happen? Yes. They do. They do. Um, all the bold kind of wallpaper requests. Um, we advise against that if we can. And there are ways that you can work around it. That's so difficult um, though, isn't it? Because even, really even if you are only living somewhere temporarily, yeah. I'm just thinking about myself really. I would want to put my own stamp on it to make yeah. it feel like home. Particularly if you've got kids. Yes, true, true. Um, but you know, you have to leave the property in the same condition it was found in. So if you want to paint a wall or if you want to put nails in the wall and things like that, it's, 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 you've got to, it's a cost involved in getting it back to its original state. So you can do it. You can request it, of course. And you may have an amenable landlord that says, I love that wildlife print wallpaper. Leave it there. Um, but it's quite unlikely. What is the weirdest thing? Some wildlife print. <laughs> At my house, yeah. actually. Yeah. I was just describing my That's living great. room to you. <laughs> um, what's the weirdest thing I see? massive ornaments, massive statues, like right in the middle of, in the middle of the living room. So those, those ones are quite unusual. Um, but Lanels have encouraged to have those removed. Your job is so, I can see why you do your job because you're so lovely. There's a real sense of warmth and confidence that you're even giving me just having this conversation (laughs) with you because you have such an important job. You're the first port of call for these people. And is it, I mean, who are you dealing with? Is it it's of the homemaker yeah. or is it the, I mean, yeah, what, what kind of conversation, oh. like just how gently, gently yeah. do you have to deal with people? Quite delicate, really, because um, some of these moves are not exciting for certain people. Um, they may be leaving family behind um, because of schooling. Um, so it's, you do have to become a confidant almost to that person and, and give them that reassurance and tell them it's going to be okay. And um, yeah, it's incredibly um, intimate in some yeah. way. Um, so yeah, I think the joy of seeing someone and placing someone in a home that is, is their new life, um, successfully is, it's incredibly re- rewarding. So what advice would you give to tenants who aren't from abroad, who just want to make their property look as homely as possible? A quick mm. fix that isn't going to cost them their deposit. Yeah. Lots of greenery plants. Um, that always helps. Um, I think it has to be kind of evocative of your kind of personal background, making it, um, making it yours, putting your own stamp on it. Um, so for me, I love jasmine. Um, my dad's from Northern Cyprus. So jasmine is a big thing there. So you'll smell jasmine candles in my house and incense sticks and jasmine plants. Um, so making it, making it yours. 
and having cookbooks there as well and photos and and those sorts of small small touches. Yeah, you don't need the zany wallpaper unless of course you can negotiate with your landlord. <laughs> So because that, you know, some landlords might like the fact that somebody wants to put curtains in or blinds yeah. or, or paint a wall. It is. It, I mean, it is a negotiation. Um, but as long as you've got agreement with them in writing that they're happy to keep it that way afterwards and you're not you're not going to have to pay to remove it after uh, the end of your tenancy, then, yeah, absolutely. That's fine. I'm obsessed with scent. Yes. I think, you know, people think about decor and plants. Yeah, really important. But scent is vital. It really is. I've really enjoyed speaking to oh, you. Thank, thank you. you so much. I've enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Well, that's it. All we have time for. But you can join the conversation online using our hashtag, no place like Hamptons. Thank you to my wonderful guests, Laura Jackson, Michaela Sharp and Shannon Wood. And thanks to you, our listeners. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow Hamptons online. I'm Anita Rani, once again, reminding you that there's no place like home. Mm-hmm.